What is up, up, Shula Bowl fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast. As always, brought to you by the fine folks, Five Reason Sports, your home for South Florida sports news. Coming off a busy and eventful weekend in South Florida sports, but especially the game that is most germane to this podcast. Shula Bowl 20 was not much of a contest. It was one through a half, kind of, sort of, but there definitely was one team that looked much better than the other. Eric Henry, FIU beat writer, SB Nation, Full House Tonight, Shane Marinelli, Owls 247247sports.com, and known, now known as We Suck, no longer sad sports fan, FIU sports fan, don't know for how much longer he's going to be the super fan, Mr. David Hondel. We are coming off a Shula Bowl that was, again, 58-21 victory for FAU, the fifth straight victory for the Owls in this rivalry. And uh, it was a little chippy during the game, got a little chippy post-game. I will address a video that I uh, tweeted out from my account. Uh, I'll address that. In, uh, I'm smoking section. a cigar right now. Right now, Shane, do this podcast. And- Shane has joined the FAU players and smoking a cigar using the FIU helmet as an ashtray. <laughs> and David Handel is trying to put it out with his Panther tears. Boys, uh, before we kind of get into, you know, the rundown of the game, I know, uh, first things first, I want to, you know, let me do this. Thanks to everyone who commented, who had questions last week. Uh, we had a couple people come out to the tailgate. want to thank them for stopping by. Uh, I will start with you guys. How did you guys enjoy uh, watching the game together? I know you guys were, were seated together. Uh, David, I don't know how long you stayed. I don't know if you made it to the tailgate. So, uh, Phyllis and Dave, I'll start with you before we, uh, you know, we got to let the champions uh Finish last here, but David, uh, you want to take us through your kind of Shula Bowl weekend, Saturday at least? Yeah, Eric, I mean, what can I say? I had a fantastic time. What a game, am I right? I mean, what a time to be alive. Um, no, I, I mean, mean, that first quarter was, I mean, awesome. a barn burner. Like the first half in general was like just fun. Um, but yeah, I did. I was able to, I made it a, a bit late. I wasn't able to tailgate too much, but I did sit with Shane. For for a majority of the game, I went to a meetup with some people in the FIU section, like midway through the third. But there wasn't many, I'll tell you that. But um, but yeah, I sat there for the most of the game, and luckily I was there for the the point of the game that was actually at least competitive. Um, first half, you know, hell of a half if you had the first half over. Um, it was really fun, a lot of touchdowns, and you know, it was it was, it was fun being. You know, me and my buddy were the only FIU fans uh, in the entire section, um, and, and Shane and his boys uh, were really, really cool. They, they they hosted us well, and you know, besides the result, it w- it was a good time. Shane, I'll go and let you uh, kind of clean up things there as far as the the events yeah, of Saturday. I, it, it was uh, it was almost nice to see him enjoy a game for a little bit, and I and I wasn't too worried. There wasn't a point where I was like, ah, uh, you know, uh I'm nervous because I, I knew what was coming. I could kind of just based on into some of the stuff we talked about. Once we get into the X and O's, like it's like okay, FIU kind of got like their big plays out of their system, which you know when when I really thought about, kind of determined that was the way they were going to score. Like throw it up, beat some man coverage a couple times, which is going to happen. But you know, as odds play out over a game, it's not going to happen for long. Kind of for FAU, uh, you know, when you play FAU and you know, and then uh, when Nikosi hit the rollout to make it uh, a you know, 13-point game right before half, you knew it was just uh, 
it, it, it was just going to be another bloodbath. I mean, yeah, not not saying that that anything would have changed, but yeah, once once Kosi hit that that play, right, literally, what was it? Maybe ten seconds. Like a left minute. No, there it was like a oh, minute. No, like, we, we, we did have some time. Right left. I was like, oh, here we go. I said, I knew if we didn't come out and answer immediately at half, it, it was gonna it was gonna get it was gonna get ugly. And we actually made we even made a few stops to start half. I'm like. All right, here we go. Like, let's see if we can get start something started. And no, the offense could not do anything in the second half, and then it, it just really let loose from there. Hondo, when did you leave? Um, I left in the fourth quarter. Um, I don't know. I think it was like, I think it was it was like either forty eight or fifty one. Uh, I didn't see the last two scores, so probably around there. Okay, all right. I, I just was curious when you uh, when you tapped out. Yeah, uh, the last scores, last two scores were fifty one, and then fifty eight twenty one. Um, yeah, I, really I, quick, I, you know, I, I do want to ask this. I FAU unload the bench and score. What happened? You didn't see FAU unload the bench and score. Well, so no, that's the thing. I left Shane seats right on time because at that point when I left, they had just kicked the field goal, so it was still only like thirty seven twenty one. And so that was when I went to go to the other side. And, um, boy, thank God, because I don't think I could have sat there in those seats and just watched the bloodbath occur. David, that, that was going to be my question. You kind of hit on it. I was going to ask you, like, how they treat you over there in uh, enemy territory. Uh, no, there. I mean, all of Shane's boys are super cool, super nice. There was this one guy who my, my – I brought one friend to the game, and there was this one guy that, that – uh, he was pretty close to throwing hands with because he spilled a beer on him, an entire beer on him. <laughs> and, um, and he, and he refused to acknowledge his mistake. Like one, it was funny because the guy behind him was super nice, super cool about it. And he, they're like talking the entire time. And he was like, dude, I'm so sorry. Like I'll buy you a beer. And this guy came out of nowhere. He was sitting next to him. He's like, he, he literally just goes up to my boy and, uh, and he goes, dude, how about this? Instead of him buying you a beer, Go find the valet downstairs and tell him to change your seats. We don't want you here. And, and my buddy was like, "No, nah, no, nah, nah, we're throwing hands, bro." Sorry, David, no, cut you off. At that point, thing, but, no. so my buddy, I'm, right, I'm, that, that definitely wasn't my friends. There's a lot of people at no, our section, so no, no, let no, me no, just, no, all, dude, all of Shane, all of Shane's boys, and even the guy who spilled the beer on, on on my buddy Jordy was super cool about it. Like he was gonna buy him a beer, and bro, Jordy turned. Oh, so it was just guy. like a random guy that came out of nowhere. No, he was kind. You, I think you know it, it was it was the guy in the Bucks jersey. Oh, I don't know him. No. Okay. Well, so yeah. Him. Okay. So some random guy. But anyway, exactly. But he's guy, from, but he's from Tampa. So. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's <laughs> I was true. For the That's Tampa true. Shot. Um. So my buddy turns to him, and, <laughs> and for a lack of better terms, he basically told him to shut up, or he'll shut he'll, he'll shut him up himself. And the guy didn't say a word the rest of the game. So besides that guy, everyone else was super cool, and we were having a good time with with um, with all the guys in chain section. Yeah, let me say this: I don't know Jordy, but shout out to him because that's how you handle that right there. Like if if you if you if that's gonna be your response after I get a whole beer spill on me, like there's a good chance we're gonna be well, throwing no, some hands. And the best part is, like this kid, he's he's like he's not really a fo- like a football fan. Like I brought him; he was literally the only one who, who I, I kind of trapped him into the game to come with me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was working on uh, – he had show, He went out the night before until like 6 in the morning 
he was rocking a massive hangover and just like was seeing blurry the entire game. And then that happens. He was just not having it. <laughs> last thing, last thing before I get to the game, got a shout out the FAU tailgate experience. This was my uh, second time getting a chance to get out there. 2019, I had a chance to check out the FAU tailgate, but not as extensively as I had a chance. I kind of hung out with Shane, uh, Shane his tailgate for about 30 minutes. And yeah, it, it's, I, I, I still think fans, you can send your hate my way. I did refer to FAU as kind of like UCF light. I'm not going to say, because I don't want to betray their confidence as to who agreed with me in that assessment. And I didn't mean that as like a slight. I meant that as they have the potential to be UCF, but especially the tailgate, the atmosphere, I enjoyed it. So got to shout out to FAU fans. Uh, Shane, the tailgate. want to go ahead. And, oh, no, go ahead, go ahead, David. What's up, Mondo? I, I just want to piggyback off it saying that, yeah, the tailgate area was awesome, and it was, it was slammed. Like I was in line just waiting outside the parking lot for like 30 minutes because there were so many people just walking across. And it, it, was, it was cool to see that crowd out there. So the, shout out to the FAU fans. Uh, they really showed out uh, for this game. Shane, want to kind of toss it to you here. I kind of have my things as far as takeaways from this game. But you as someone who, you know, I can say that you cover FAU, but also as a longtime FAU fan, what are your thoughts on the performance and just your thoughts on the rivalry overall? Um, someone has to do something to keep the rivalry going. So I guess like, you know, social media posts and stuff, you know, I I know some people don't like that, but I, I, that's kind of the fun in college football rivalries. Like, you know, people don't think Miami and Notre Dame are, is a great rivalry because all the players, you know, go out and get beers afterwards, you know, back in the eighties. Right. Like, you know, it's a game with a lot of kids from, you know, uh, that we're all high school teammates or know each other. And, you know, things got chippy after the game. And I'm sure FAU winning the game by 37 points was talking more than, you know, FIU likes to hear. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I know it, like it sounds cliche to say, well, maybe not cliche, but I, I mean, I think all that stuff is good, right? I mean, as long as there's no actual fisticuffs, okay, you know, going uh, a little slam on social media here or there. Uh, doesn't hurt anyone, and you know, um, you know, maybe next year FIU gets it to with under thirty points. Um, you know, tough ass, big ass, but maybe. Uh, you know, and for the game itself, yeah, I mean, FI. You know, it's funny we talked about uh, we talked about Butch Davis needing to come out and you know go you do everything he can i think almost to save his job and fau is the one who ran the double reverse flea ficker pass right like uh taggart said in a press conference that was like you know they ran it three times against the defense all week and it worked so they're like it would definitely you know if it worked against our defense we knew it would work against fiu <laughs> it's just <laughs> you know um kind of a shot but you know, so, you know, they came out and said, no, we're not starting slow today. You know, we're going to step on the gas. Uh, the the FEDBs kind of gave up some early ones, but you just knew that wasn't going to last. You know, that the numbers game just, you know, always kind of says that. And Nikosi Perry is the difference, though, right? Like, that's, um, uh, you know, well, I, there's people around FEDB's program, which, you know, who will tell you, in an ominous moment that FIU talent wise, isn't as far as the scoreboard, 
uh, behind FAU. And, but, you know, quarterbacks and coaching make the difference. Hondo, I do want to at least give you a chance as far as on the field, any thoughts, positive, negative, or otherwise, where I kind of give my assessment of what I saw out there from both teams. Um, I mean, really the only positives that I saw came from the first half, and it was, uh, you know, our boy continues to ball out. I know he only had two catches, but Tyrese Chambers is really good. Um, Bryce Singleton, huge play. Um, I know it, wasn't, it didn't end up being a touchdown, but so should honestly should have been. But either way, our skill guys, our receivers, we have a lot of guys there, as Shane said, that are good. They're really good, you know, but – we, we weren't able to get anything going after half and you know, F, that's credit to FAU's defense. And they really, I mean, they absolutely shut down Devontae price. Um, this seems to be the sec the third week in a row that he hasn't really been able to get anything going. Um, so, you know, it kind of sucks obviously, but, um, I mean, we, everyone knows obviously his potential and his skill set, but he just hasn't, you know, been able to get going on these defenses and they're playing him really well. But let's see what we got against Charlotte. <laughs> Shane, I'm coming to you with a question, and I'm going to come to David with one more question, and then I'll kind of jump in. Shane, you noted the quick start by FAU. Do you feel that that was indicative of anything that was done by the coaching staff? Willie Taggart, I had a chance to listen to his postgame. I want to shout out to my boy Kevin Felder for shooting me the postgame audio. I had a chance to listen to him say what you said about the double reverse. But do you feel that that was a concerted effort? by the staff to come out fast, or do you think this is more indicative of playing against a defense that allowed over 700 yards total offense? I think they want to start fast. That's why, you know, come out with that play. Uh, it's very similar to a play FE ran three years ago against Louisiana Tech, which they hit Caleb Woods uh, over kind of the same action in the backfield. Uh, Brandon Robinson came from a little slightly different spot, but I think, you know, they just wanted to get things going. I, I think there was a lot of pent-up frustration after Air Force. They knew they were better than that. They just, they never gotten any type of rhythm that game. And it was just like, let's go. And they scored on four plays in that drive. Um, you know, one thing that's been said to me, and, you know, FU doesn't run a ton. It's not like the days of, um, it's just a little style. Um, they don't run as much tempo. You know, they're probably about like, you know, I saw their, they pro, they're a, they run above average in the country in tempo. Um, certainly not like one of those 10 fastest teams that like Heifel or Scott Frost or you see Lane Kiffin running. Uh, but one thing that was kind of let, you know, I, I was, you know, told before the game is FIU struggles with tempo. Uh, and they've always, they've struggled with tempo and FAU went straight tempo, like, you know, Oregon tempo, that first drive. And they scored on four plays. Uh, so, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think that was a concerted effort to get out there. And it was like, we, we like, they, they had, you know, the point is they'd scored seven points in the first quarter all season. They were scoring seven points that first drive. End of story. David, coming back to you here, that's a good point by Shane in, tar- in terms of tempo. FAE ran 75 plays, which is a pretty decent number. I mean, not necessarily anything crazy, but certainly a solid number. FIE ran 67 plays, but obviously the majority of that came in kind of the uh, the uh, opening bit and then the fourth quarter with that last drive with Grayson James. David, my last thing for you on this game, how concerning is it, the run game, as you mentioned, Devontae Price, 16 carries, 34 yards. How much does that concern you? And then the second part of this question, Grayson James gets the majority of the fourth quarter. Thoughts on him and maybe where FIU goes from here as far as quarterback situation? 
Um, I mean, yeah, the, the lack of a running game these last three weeks is extremely concerning. Um, I mean, that's, you know, going into the season, you'd think even, I mean, even last season, that was our strength. You'd think going into the season um, with Devontae Price, that would be our greatest strength. Um, but, you know, besides LIU and even, you know, Texas, Texas State, he hasn't been able to get anything going. Um, I also think it's just, He's probably being like game planned around, right? Like I feel like the reason we get a lot of these big plays because defenses are stacking the box against them. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it's got to be concerning, right? I mean he hasn't been able to really generate anything, and he's a huge part of our offense, and he was a huge reason why. I mean, last season, what he he probably broke like five seventy yard runs, right? Like he he's just like he has that big play factor, and he just hasn't been able to get get that uh these last few weeks and it's something that this offense direly needs um and then going forward uh, grace and james i mean at this point i want to see him play like i i you know he's going to be our guy going forward right he's going to be our future i mean let, let's just say like we're one and four now um yeah let's play him and just see what the kid can do and you know get him some reps get him some experience because i mean you know, like, you know, Max hasn't been able to, you know, get us over that hump. So we might as well see what Grayson can do. So I, I'm on, I'm on the board, I'm on the train to get Grayson more playing time and you know some experience out there. Here are my takeaways, and if you're an FAU fan, you have to be kind of just swimming in an embarrassment of riches, and you should be listening to Shane Marinelli because he's preaching this since last year. Evan Anderson. Latrell Gene, both freshmen. I saw, and I had a great vantage point because I was seated right about at the 50 from the press box, of just how much push up front the FAU defensive line was getting, specifically in shutting down Devontae Price. There were times where the FIU center and guards, they were getting stood up, if not going backwards. I mean, that happened a lot. Uh, and especially, I mean, in the pass rush wasn't exactly, I think FAU had, Two sacks. I want to say Jalen Joyner had one. I can't remember who had the other one, but the pass Courtney was okay. That... Oh, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. That was on the second sack. Another it wasn't two, the pass. Another two freshmen. Thank you. Excellent point, Shane. It wasn't necessarily the pass rush per se that impressed me. I mean, FAU, they're going to be able to do that with guys like, you know, Jalen Joyner and others. But when you got that type of push from the interior defensive line, that's going to help you win ball games. And I know, you know, FAU fans may be frustrated at the Air Force loss. That is a specialized offense that you're only going to see once, if you're lucky, every four years, right? When you play in Conference USA, you're going to see, we'll talk about next week in UAB, it's going to take performances like you had from Evan Anderson and Latrell G and the other guys up front, uh, especially up the, up the gut, up the middle, that interior, interior rush. Um, it's going to go a long way to getting you a win next week. So that was very impressive. I have to say this, the amount of playmakers that FAU seemingly has when it, it, it's, it's not, as we mentioned, TJ Chase, you know, I, I, I don't even know Shane, correct me if I'm wrong on this. I'm not sure what Aaron Young's uh, status is still with the team, but other guys like, you know, Johnny Ford are out there making plays in the pass game and in the run game, you know, uh, uh, Brandon Robinson and others, uh, uh, Mitchell Patton, Zaire Mitchell Patton. When you got that type of, of talent, guys who you can put out there and say, hey, Go out there and make a play. Like today is going to be your day. Thank you. Thank you. I was just getting ready to come to him after you, Shane. Uh, He had seven grabs for a buck, 21 and one touchdown, seven targets, seven grabs. 
that's when you can say, hey, it's your day, right? It might not be your day. You might not be the number one receiver, quote unquote, but you can put a guy out there and say it's going to be your day. That's impressive. That's incredibly impressive to me. So uh, that was my big takeaway. And of course, the last thing, uh, my second big takeaway and the last thing, just Nikosi Perry, as Shane mentioned, that is what you bring him to FAU for is to win those types of games, right? Yes, you would want to see him play better than the 11 to 33 against Air Force, but in CUSA play, 18 to 21, 329, three touchdowns. It's a hell of a game. I mean, Nikosi Perry looked every bit as good as, as, as advertised. To kind of bring you guys inside the press box, the scouts there at the game was former Florida State running back and Oakland Raiders running back Zach Crockett was there representing the Raiders. And uh, come on, uh, Alonzo Highsmith. Thank you. Alonzo Highsmith was there with Seattle. I had a conversation with Alonzo Highsmith during the game who uh, definitely had a funny conversation about football not being football. He did not feel that was a blindside block on on FAU. I believe that was a, a punt return that was called back. Uh, he had a nice little exchange about, you know, you might as well put him in flags at that point. But in specificity to players on the field, he was very impressed and kind of talked about with Caleb Bryson, specifically Nikosi Perry, as far as just the poise and the, and the ability to maneuver the pocket. I hope I'm not betraying his confidence in saying this on the air. And uh, also with Devontae Price, even though Devontae Price didn't have a good game, he noted that Devontae Price had quick feet. So he did like that. We had a chance to talk for a little bit as well uh, with Zach Crockett. But those are kind of my big takeaways. And the last thing is just FAU, the, the embarrassment and riches in terms of talent. Yes, FIU is not far off talent-wise in FAU, but FAU is getting the most out of their talent right now, and that's huge. Shane and David, I hope you guys don't mind. Give me uh, two minutes here to kind of opine on this video. The only reason I want to take a, a second here to kind of uh, elaborate on some thoughts, I tweeted out a video post-game, and you know what? I'm, I'm going to lean on Shane here really quick. Before I, I talk about the video, Shane, can you just talk about specifically what the tradition is? I'm sure most fans listening know what the tradition is, but for anyone who may not be, you know, for the uh, uninitiated, can you just talk about what exactly the, the tradition is with the Don Shula, Don Shula Trophy? And the uh, the helmet, um, uh, I think I call it a sticker, but the helmet adhesive and, and what goes on. Yeah, so I, I can't remember exactly one year. I actually think FIU started the tradition. They, they did. Uh, this is a sip, uh, one of the SIP years that they started. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think it was what did the I think it was the last time FIU won in FIU Stadium. That was the first time, um, you know, or FIU was taking it back. And, you know, they sprinted across the field. Um, and, and, you know, now it's become this thing uh, where, you know, I was even looking for the stands. You saw it like 30 seconds left of FU was running down the clock. You know, uh, like it's funny, guys like Evan Anderson and, you know, Willie Wright and a couple other players were getting in like uh, three-point stances you know, to, to run towards the trophy again. Um, and I, I can't remember which school did it first. I think it was actually FIU too, maybe, uh, where they ripped the FAU helmet off. Um, and since then, it's kind of become this tradition where you kind of, the players that night take the helmet off. I remember a few years ago, FAU won. Uh, they put the helmet in a trash can on campus and took pictures of it. Like, you know, it was like in the, the front of one of those, you know, uh, front opening trash cans um you know so it's kind of it's kind of been this tradition i think recently they made an update to the trophy where the you don't have to actually rip the helmets off they kind of just clip off right so um which it looks like i've never touched it i've stood next to it maybe next time i'll 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 do a test and i'll kind of like uh 
you know, when uh, <laughs> someone's not looking at one of the vents, I'll, I'll play with one of them to see how easy it is to take the trophies off. But I think it's kind of it built that way to expect it, you know, where Team A wins it and pulls the helmet off and, you know, does what they do with it. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think it's all kind of in good fun. I love Thank you, Shane, it. for kind of that. Or, or, uh, no, go ahead, David. Add your thoughts. I just want to say I, I personally love that. Um, it, you know, obviously we haven't been able to rip the helmet off too many times, but um, I, I love that that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you you I, know I, when I, FIU finally, you know, they'll eventually win one of these. And I feel like they're, they're going to take the FAU helmet and go on like a tour with it like it was the uh, Stanley Cup. <laughs> Every player when, when gets I, it for a day. <laughs> yeah, when FIU wins the Shula Bowl, I'm going to rip the damn helmet off the trophy, okay? <laughs> I'm going to be the one running on the field ripping that trophy off. <laughs> but, yeah, so I appreciate you guys giving that that brief history lesson there. The reason I, I wanted that uh, to, to preface with that, tweeted a video. Essentially, I, I did get some, some DMs from a couple people affiliated with FAU. Also got uh, some DMs from some people affiliated with FIU. So, um, you know, I want to clarify any misconception here. Tweeted a, a video about a dozen FAU players who made their way towards the FIU locker room. And here's the situation. Shane can attest to this, right? Because, Shane, you've seen a million of these postgame handshakes. When it's Team X versus Team Y, those handshakes, they're fake hugs and fake well wishes. It lasts eight seconds and the teams go their separate ways. But when you have FAU and FIU, a lot of these kids either grew up together, played in the same area, high school, peewee, Pop Warner, et cetera. So you kind of have an extended, you know, conversation, whether it's, you know, a dab up and well wishes or whether it's, as Shane mentioned earlier, some of the guys talking a little trash, saying, hey, we got you. Even Willie Taggart in his postgame mentioned that there were some guys on the FIU sideline that he recruited who were talking to him during the game. So that kind of sets the scene here. So it was an extended area around a extended time around the, the postgame handshake. So most of the coaches for both FAU and FIU had already exited the field or were in separate areas. What happened was the FIU helmet that's ripped off of the trophy, I did not witness this with my own eyes. I was told this um, uh, secondhand, that it was either thrown or kicked in the direction of the FIU sideline. An FIU player who, quite frankly, I don't feel it, it's right to name because just with the, the way things have kind of gotten I'm not blaming an 18-year-old kid for, you know, getting caught up in his motions. Saw that and then took the FIU helmet and proceeded to take it back to the locker room. The reason I asked Shane to talk about the tradition is, as tradition has it, the winning team gets to keep the opposing helmet, right? So about a dozen FAU players said, hey, you're not going back to the locker room with that and made their way down to the FIU locker room. Uh, Unfortunately, as I said, a lot of the coaches were in – the FIU locker room at that time. So there weren't any, any real barriers. The only barriers there were Shane, you would know this better than I, better than I, I don't know who the, uh, the police are at games for at FAU stadium, but it was about three uniformed police officers who stopped a couple of the players from, you know, proceeding any further down that hallway towards the visiting locker room. And then Joel Rodriguez and uh, FIU director of player ops, Jed Kaime uh, uh, came out there and stopped some guys as well. But uh, it was a lot of frustration, a lot of frustration overall, but my reasoning for wanting to kind of elaborate on that video is, um, I got DMs from some FIU fans saying, you know, what is this BS? What was going on? I got some DMs from FAU fans who felt that I, I didn't tell the whole story about what happened. So hopefully this, you know, clarification or kind of uh, puts that to bed. I was not out to slant any side or the other, just kind of, you know, that was something that wasn't going to happen on air. So for fans who may have been watching at home or had left the stadium, I uh, wanted to tweet that out. So hopefully that clears up any uh, misconceptions about that. 
uh, as we go ahead and transition to next. Or go ahead, David. Did you say something? Or I'm sorry. Yeah, you kick that helmet toward our sideline. I'm running with that helmet. Come get it yourself. <laughs> Team FIU, baby. <laughs> and then that was that was pretty much what happened there. Uh, um, you know, before we transition to. A big game for FAU, one that Shane, I know he's got his eyes on squarely, FAU and UAB. There definitely was a lot of frustration post-game. You know, heard a, a, due to the configuration of FAU Stadium, there's a small hallway that takes you down to the locker room, and we were right outside that that uh, that locker room there waiting on, on the post-game. And uh, a lot of frustration. A lot of, a lot of players didn't want to leave the field. They just were, you know. Uh, David, it, it's not fun when, you know, the, the players are getting serenaded coming off the field with chance of FCS in high school and division two. So that probably uh, amounted to a lot of the frustrations. The Panthers fall to one and four, but Shane, isn't this why we love college football though? Like this is that, that agony, like, you know what I mean? And when it comes back to you, I mean, that this is why I, you know, why I think Eric and I, and David, we do what we do because it's those type of things at the very basic. That is the, there's a, there is kind of a beauty in all that in college football. Right. As, 100%. as I always say, and I get on my soapbox here and I've told this to multiple people, you know, what do people love about college football more than anything else? Right. Like, why do people watch it? It is to talk crap to your neighbor or your buddy at work or your wife's, your, your in-laws that you married into the rival, right? People who are directly associated with you. You don't get that as much in the NFL. You know, I know in certain cities, but Beauty of college football is that, right? Like, and so I, I love all that rivalry stuff. And, you know, I know FAU fans and FIU fans are always talking, how do we create more tradition? How do we create more tradition? And I'm a very, tradition happens organically. It, it comes out of nowhere and it becomes a story. And, um, you know, 25 years from now, this game will be talked about like there was 300 players on the field fighting uh, you know, uh, over that helmet, right? Like the story will somehow grow and grow, right? Eric, <laughs> you know, no, um, Shane. Willie Taggart entered the locker room himself and took back the <laughs> So Willie Taggart is more just changing in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. <laughs> no, Shane, I couldn't agree with you more because I, what I was going to say is that's the kind of story where when FIU does win one, and however long it takes FIU to win one, that could be next year, it could be next 10 years, who knows? But those are the kind of things that you talk about, you know, when it's say, I remember back in the 2021 game when FIU was serenaded with chance of FCS, FCS, and we wanted to go kick their butts next week or next year, and we did it. Like, those are the things that build up tradition, especially if it's not going to be, you know, if you look through the history of this rivalry, it's not going to be close games. It's going to be, you know, stories like that that build up the tradition. So I couldn't agree with you more, Shane. Um, as like I said, I'm going to go ahead and transition into a game that I know you've got your eyes on. Definitely curious your thoughts because you've had a lot of thoughts over the three years that I've known you, quite frankly, about the UAB program. And they are coming off a decisive 36-12 loss to Liberty, which puts them at 3-2. and two. They lose their opening game in protective stadium. Uh, they're missing their starting quarterback, or I shouldn't say missing. Uh, they have a quarterback uh, conundrum with Dylan Hopkins and Tyler Johnson the third. So that offense is kind of in flux. Shane. Really want your thoughts. I know you haven't had a chance to really dive much into UAB yet as you're kind of soaking up the win of FIU, but just as a whole, what are you looking at in terms of this matchup? UAB historically has had a very good defense, a very good run game, but this is one that especially when you compare the two performances, I, I would have taken UAB before last week, but now I'm inclined to go more FI, excuse me, FAU. There's a dollar in a jar. Shane, what are your thoughts? 
Well, this is the game that uh, I'm going to let David first get at me here because uh, (laughs) to love and to cherish, to tell to us part. (laughs) Um, I'll be watching via my phone. Um, Hopefully UAB doesn't score at the exact moment. Somebody reading the ballot says, does anyone here object? And you just get a, you know, uh, uh, an F word. <laughs> right. It, you know, or, or, or actually it'd even be worse if someone says, you know, does anyone object? And it's like, Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> Cause uh, you know, I, I already called the resort to make sure there would be Wi-Fi in certain places. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man. Shane, so yeah. are you telling me we can't expect a, a halftime? Um, you know, a, a halftime breakdown or are you going to be too busy? Well, I don't know. You know, they, you know, maybe I can, uh, slip the priest to 20 and be like, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's get till death do us part here. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, really, I mean, I, I will be watching this game one way or another. Okay. Um, I've already let, I, I've already let the, the groom's parents know that. So, um, <laughs> um, but uh, you know they were at the game this week, this past weekend. They came up by the tailgate. But I, I, I think it's going to be a dogfight. You know, I, one thing that it's kind of hard to read, Eric, and I, I, you know, I just started doing a little bit of UAB prep today. Is you see their game versus Liberty, and the box score looks, you know, the score doesn't look great. But you also see that like Malik Willis single-handedly won the game. You know, when you have three hundred yards passing and another buck fifty in the air and three touchdowns, it's like. Okay, you know, did Liberty win the game or did, you know, a guy who's probably gonna be a top five pick just kind of do his thing? Uh, you know, not not saying that Kosi can't dominate a game, but you know, Malik Willis is obviously like a you know, a, a a special talent. Um so it's a little tough to tell. I mean, you know, Eric, I kinda want you know, you could probably talk about this a little bit more in depth than I can right now, but it, it, I feel like UAB you know, they want to get in a dog fight with FAU and they, they want to try and win this one twenty one seventeen. Right. You know, they, they want to let their defense do their thing. So they obviously have a quality defense. They want to run the ball. Okay. And, you know, they they want to kind of win the UAB way, which is, you know, you know, they want a dog fight and FAU's gonna to wanna to go out there and score points. So I you know, I think whoever kind of controls the game, you know, what you hope for an F as you're an FAU fan that FAU can just make a few more big plays than them. And that, you know, the defense forces a couple forces, a couple turnovers, which can maybe spin the game um, towards FAU. FAU fans. I have been waiting for this week because there, there's one team in conference USA that I've been most intrigued by in the now four years I've covered this league. It's UAB. This is why I think, it's going to be a very interesting game. Shane mentions FA, excuse me, UABs want to run the football. That's true. But one of the things they do is they, they run to set up the pass, specifically pass passing downfield. Shane, I don't know if I've had this conversation with you, but we might as well have it on air now. When you look at UAB's passing offense, yards per attempt, you're roughly your average yards per attempt is about seven, seven and a half is a good number. UAB is pushing the ball downfield. They're averaging 9.9 yards per attempt with Dylan Hopkins, a quarterback. If he starts that number, when it's adjusted, it's about 10.8. The reason I mentioned that is again, they're looking to test a very 
in my mind, a solid FAU secondary. Shane, would you agree? And I, I'm curious your thoughts, because this is just from my eye. The guy that they're going to test, at least I, I don't want to call him the weak link, but if you're looking to go downfield, in my mind, they're going to be trying to find ways to expose Jordan Helm. Would you say that's fair or foul? No, uh, I, 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 I think, I think, you know, if, so if you look at some of the numbers who struggled against FIU is Deshaun Moss. Um, okay. He struggled. The linebackers also struggled a little bit in coverage. Uh, you know, FAU likes to kind of move their safeties around that, you know, young and helm don't really play like a true free and strong. It's kind of, it, it, and that's all, that position's almost kind of died in college football a bit. When teams, teams go tempo so much, you can't have like, guys running from um, um, hash mark to hash mark, you know, the, the offense comes and lines up. Okay. The strong side's on there. Now, the next thing you know, your safety is trying to run all the way across the field and the ball snapped. You have two safeties intersecting each other in the middle of the field. So, you, you know, um, you just got to kind of come out and line up. Um, maybe they'd attack it. You know, I, 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 like I said, you know, Moss was targeted four times, allowed four catches in this game. And after you kind of put Rom- Romain Mungin back in and he played the most snaps he did all season and played well, I'm curious to see how that plays out next week. Uh, here's the thing, you know, but FIU tested FAU secondary and don't get, they got some plays like, you know, the touchdown on right, Zion Gilbert was actually great coverage. You know, it was just a really good throw. And I didn't tire his chambers. I'm pretty sure he kind of bobbled it once and then kind of caught it on the second time and right. went off. Yes. Yeah. So like, the odds say, you know, you know, that was just a kind of a perfect throw and catch, right? Like the odds say that you throw that 10 times, Zion's going to get his hands on more than one, you know, more than you probably make that throw. Is that, you think that's a fair statement? I think it's a fair statement. And to kind of get, give you a little bit of insight, Shane, when I talked with uh, Max Bordenschlager post game, he said that was actually a, a on the fly audible to an RPO. So, I mean, just for a little added context there, but go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I really was, that wasn't, you know, I, they were kind of, the corners were kind of on islands and, you know, FAU is going to kind of play those games, right? Like they're going to say, you know, yeah, you might get some. Um, and it was kind of told me before the game and if you didn't allow us, you know, FIU is going to get some deep passes. Don't let them score make them, you know, if you don't let them score, even if they're at the 20, you know, we feel like we can hold them to a field goal or something there. And in the second half, it did. Um, but, you know, FAU probably feels like they have more explosive plays in them than UAB. So, you know. Um, and and or go ahead, John. Finish that thought. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think they have the advantage quarterback-wise. So, you know, FAU's got to go out there and they got to force the turnovers. What I was just going to say is Shane makes a point that I think if you're an FAU fan, you think, yeah, we've got more explosive plays. But the thing about UAB is they live off of explosive plays, and it's not necessarily that they have explosive players per se. Trey Shropshire, he's a deep guy, but that's by design of the offense. Every receiver that F- that UAB has put in that offense over the past four years with um, Brian Vincent has become you know, a guy going to average 20, 30 yards per catch. Can they do that? I don't know. Personally speaking, I I, I like having a, a, a TJ Young just all, all along as an all around safety as someone who maybe can erase some of that a little bit. So I don't know if I'm intrigued more by the matchup in the passing game of UAB's passing game, Boomer Bust versus FAU secondary, or for more intrigued by the UAB rushing attack with, with the uh, the FAU D line. I know this much. I'm very intrigued with Chris Mole out, who's one of the better kind of hybrid uh, safety linebackers, a South Florida kid from Coral Gables, if memory serves me correct. 
Um, I think his status is, is questionable for that game. That could play a difference in terms of, you know, what UAB is willing to do will, or are able to do defensively, I should say. But uh, it's a matchup that I'm going to be very intrigued by. And, you know, I'd love to kind of get uh, more of Shane's thoughts in the in the WhatsApp chat. And we'll definitely recap this one next week. I mean, if I were to go ahead and give a prediction right now, which I typically don't do, but I'm going to try to have as many eyes on this one as possible, especially with FIU playing on Friday. Right now, I'm leaning something like, you know, FAU 24, UAB 21. Uh, we'll see what happens. Shane, do you think that, that's a fair assessment? You think FAU is going to put up more than Yeah, I, I think the toughest team is kind of judging UAB by their schedule so far. So I think we kind of have enough data in the season. You're like, okay, who is, you know, who is F, who is UAB played? And who have they beaten? And who of those teams are kind of beaten? You kind of do the, the kind of score crossing, right? And it, it's tough to get a read. Okay, they beat you know, Jacksonville state, but okay. So then they kind of crush uh, up just arguably the worst team in conference USA, North Texas right now. Um, you know, they, so, all right. You know, then you beat Tulane by a touchdown and Tulane definitely isn't as good as we thought they were that first week. I mean, you're talking about a team that just lost to ECU by 30 points. Okay. Um, and, you know, obviously Liberty's a tough matchup with, you know, Malik Willis. So it's kind of, and obviously they got crushed by Georgia, but who wouldn't? So it's, it's kind of get a, it's, it's tough to really read what type of team they are right now. And so I, you know, and also, you know, just to put it this way, you know, though FAU has I not won a game where they had to take a flight since UTSA in 2019. Oh, wow. so, you know, um, yeah, the road hasn't been super kind. Granted, you know, some of that was, you know, if you look at, you know, the, their last few road flights, you know, that COVID wasn't super friendly to them and they had a couple of really tough trips in there. So it's not like as bad as it looks, um, you know, but, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of see. And, you know, it also scares me that UAB, didn't play well in their home opener. So, you know, it's going to be a team that's going to be kind of like revenge focus, I guess. David Handel, can I try and sell you in 15 seconds on why FIU may be able to win over Charlotte? And part two of that, do you even care if they win over Charlotte at this point? Um, I mean, yes, I do care. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I would love a win. But two, I actually like – I actually think we're going to beat Charlotte. I've actually weirdly I, – I've seen three Charlotte games this year already, and they don't really look that impressive. And I get it. They're not supposed to be this, you know, Conference USA powerhouse or anything. But, like, I was talking to some FIU fans, and they're all expecting us to get, like, crushed. And I'm like, I mean, I'm assuming none of you have actually seen Charlotte play. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're okay. I don't think they're – I don't think they're, you know, that good. I think we can actually win. Um, however, the, the biggest thing that worries me is actually not even, like – our players' abilities. It's like where it, I wonder where our players' mindsets are at after a getting blown out by FAU and b losing two heartbreaking games within the first five games of the season. Um, so I just don't know if like they're gonna come out in this game like you know not ready to play, but like you know I want to know where their heads at and if Butch can actually get them to, you know to perform to the best of their abilities because it's almost tough. At this point, at one and four, some of these guys are probably thinking, like, damn, like, what the hell's wrong with us? You know what I mean? David, I was all set and ready to, to kind of sell you on why FIU would beat Charlotte. 
And then you hit me in the in the gut with the, where the players' heads are at. And that's a really good point because I just remember the feeling. <laughs> I saw all the players come off the field post-game, and I saw them come off the field post-game against Texas Tech, but I saw them come off the field uh, Saturday and a lot of frustration in that locker room. <laughs> and I'm not going to you know, get into what you heard coming from the locker room, but a lot of frustration coming from inside those walls. Uh, yeah, it, it, that's a really, really good point you make as far as FIU, whether, you know, I will put it to you like this. There, we'll be able to tell a lot as far as how the rest of the season is going to play out by this game because this is really a winnable game. The reason I said that FIU could win, Charlotte. You think FIU's run defense is bad? Charlotte's allowing 254 yards per game. That is third worst in all of FBS football. So listen, it's not as if the, you know, the Panthers have their own struggles. They're ranked 104th. But Charlotte is just giving up yards in bunches. If there's any game that Devontae Price and company can break out, it is against Charlotte, and as I tweeted out earlier today, FIU has never lost to Charlotte in the history of either program. So that's a big thing. And, of course, Vic Tucker, you know, mentioned that uh, there were no CUSA DBs. He felt could stop him. There are a couple CUSA DBs who took note of that, especially some guys that he played against uh, here in high school and college. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. But, but yeah, David, you know, I'll, I'll ask you this two-part question before we kind of close this one up. One, you mentioned the FIU fans – feeling that they're just going to get beat by Charlotte. Uh, do you think how many FIU fans, A, could name five players on Charlotte? And B, do you think FIU fans just at the point where it's like, all right, we just are going to lose every game because they're so kind of despondent for the way the season played out so far? Um, a, I think uh, they can name uh, five, five players on Charlotte. And B, yes. I mean, no, there's people like that like in the chat um that are talking about like they, they don't even care to go to this game like they're like oh i'm probably not even going to this game it's like at that point of of of, of fandom this this you know early into the season i guess or i guess we're pretty much halfway um but you know i want to see a win obviously i, I i'm I, i'm with you i i genuinely think that you know we obviously have the players to do it and I'm really hoping for a big price uh, game because he, I think he needs it too. I think he he wants it. I mean, he needs a bounce back, and um, you know, let's see what he can do. Um, but yeah, let let's see, Eric, our bud Shane here, who's going to be um, at a wedding. We'll be at the game, and we'll be uh, you know ready to roll. We will absolutely ready to roll. I had to take the shot at FIU fans because I had an FIU fan in my DM saying. We always get our ass kicked by Charlotte. And I was like, but you've always beaten Charlotte. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, really saying. quickly, some names. Uh, names I will, hold on real <laughs> quick, Eric. If, Vic, Yo. If, if, if Victor Tucker goes off on FIU, somebody needs to get in the car and drive over to Carroll City High School and be like, what the F, guys? That, <laughs> Correct. That, that'd, be, <laughs> that'd be two Carroll City uh, players in three weeks to uh, <laughs> just think you guys no, could have that, that combo. <laughs> that is a that's a good point. It would be two Carroll City players in uh, three weeks who have defeated FIU. Just a couple quick names to watch for Charlotte for an FIU fan. I also mentioned Vic Tucker, Grant Debose, uh, very good tandem at receiver. Chris Reynolds, obviously, know him at quarterback. And that's about it, because defensively, Charlotte hasn't been able to do much of anything. Uh, Kofi Murray, defensive end and linebacker, a couple eyes to keep an eye on. But, yeah, really, 
FIU has a chance to win this game. I just think David made the best point. It's going to depend on how the team comes out. But with that, we will go ahead and close up this episode of the Shulable Podcast. We want to thank you, as always. Without your guys' listenership, we couldn't do this. And we want to thank you guys, all of us who interacted with us last week. The entire reason we do this podcast is because of Shulable Week. So definitely want to thank you guys for uh, interacting with us. And thank Five Reasons Sports for giving us the platform to do what we do. As always, you can find us on Twitter at... Five Reasons Sports, your home for South Florida Sports News, at Shula Bowl Pod, at Mr. Hondo 321 for David, at Marinelli Shane for Shane, and of course, Owls247 for all your FAU coverage. Last but not least, find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. Thank you for listening. Happy football watching. Even though it hasn't necessarily been happy, we do have football, so that at least is happy. Um, I guess in South Florida, maybe not too happy for uh, the Dolphins, but hey, it's football, right? So enjoy it, and uh, we'll chop it again next week. I have not been enjoying it.